next on BYU Sports Nation. Emotions peaking, NCAA tournament hopes in question, and a 48-point spectacle goes national all after a triple overtime loss. What does it all mean for BYU men's basketball? Former Cougar hoop standout Jackson Emery sounds off live what he thinks about BYU's NCAA tournament chances now. Plus, staring down Gonzaga, the play-by-play voice of the Bulldogs joins us to preview Saturday's showdown in Spokane. Plus, more testimonial for BYU Sports Nation karma. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Put on your Friday faces, people. Your weekend is almost here. And this is how we do it. This is how we do it. All right, no, no, no. Nope, cut it, cut nope, it off. Nope, nope. Not, not today. Nope. nope, just not not feeling it today. After, not uh, after last night. After last night. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Wherever and however you may be listening, great to have you with us on the BYU's first and only daily sports source. BYU basketball scores 110 points. 48 by Tyler Hawes. Wow. And they lose. BYU Sports Nation still trying to digest and comprehend that, but we're about to get real. We always bring the reality. And what what a game. What a game. What a performance by Tyler, Tyler Hawes. We'll break it down. And now BYU gets ready for a huge game at Gonzaga. A spirited conversation on BYU hoops just moments away. BYU all-time steals leader. Two-time Mr. Basketball in Utah, Jackson Emery, joins us live in 20 minutes to talk tourney hopes and getting ready for Gonzaga. Overshadowed by the emotion of last night's Northwest thriller, but certainly not forgotten, BYU women's basketball and Jennifer Hampson's career night, two blocks shy of what would have been the first triple-double in women's basketball team history. And what why did Jennifer Hampson do this? One, she's six foot seven, and two, BYU Sports Nation Karma. It's a real thing. Just we've saying. talked about it. It continues to happen. Fourteen points, seventeen rebounds, and eight blocks. She had six of those in the first half. The Sports Nation Karma is real. It lives on. More testimonial for something that at first might have been a joke. Listen, this is look. not a joke, people. <laughs> this is real. Look at the facts. Look at the evidence, people. I'm just saying. Sports Nation Karma has a life of its own. Join the conversation 24-7 by using the new and more concise hashtag BYUSN. That hashtag is all about giving BYU fans an avenue to link up across BYU Sports Nation and have a voice. At any time of day. Not just during the show. When you watch a game, use the hashtag. We have some people that get it. Like these guys, at Joe Sorber, done catching babies for the day, hashtag BYUS and on demand for the commute home at BYU Basketball Tonight. Hashtag Jung. Uh, that's a Korean word. That means awesome. Oh, I was like, how did you know what that symbol was? Yep, that, that's that's Korean. Wow. So, boy, Joe. A little Korean, Korean love right there. At Laser Sheep, talking about the game last night. This was ridiculous an hour ago. Here we go. Triple overtime. My future cardiologist is going to be a busy man. No lead is safe. Good stuff coming on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN uh, at, at AG Evans 9 as well. This BYU game is killing me. Triple overtime. I need more pizza. So he had pizza. He needed more. And then one of my favorites from Matt Hume, one of our production assistants. Uh, hey, at BYU Basketball, I have to get up at 7.30 for BYU Sports Nation tomorrow. Try and end this game before then. Hashtag BYUSN. Attaboy. Keep it nearly coming. went. 
to 730. 24-7, that is how you join the conversation. And while you're at it, sound off on today's Twitter question. Describe Tyler Hawes' performance in last night. Uh, last night in uh, in a tweet in 140 characters or less using hashtag BYUSN. Weigh in. I'll save my description for later. I have plenty to say about Tyler Haas and what he did. What a performance. You can listen to BYU Sports Nation weekdays at noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on Sirius XM Channel 143, BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, and Dish Network Channel 980. Access our show on demand, BYURadio.org, rebroadcast weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Topic two. A rational look now. Okay, we get it. A lot of BYU fans, however, feel like this. Forget it, I quit. I can't do this anymore, man. My head's about to explode. My whole life sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I love Chris Farley so much. <laughs> that was uh that was that was a frustrating game. Not only for fans, players, coaches, all involved across BYU Sports Nation. That one, that one took you to the peaks, the the, the peaks and valleys of uh, the emotional roller coaster. It was an amazing game. It was a great game to watch. And if you had no affiliation with Portland or BYU, that was one of the best college basketball games of the year. But because you're listening to the show and you have a BYU tie. Frustrating, really frustrating to lose at Portland. But get, BYU had amazing effort in that game, uh, amazing heart. BYU just lacks execution in a couple of ways, which we'll discuss. Uh, but let's highlight the amazing performance by one Mr. Tyler Hawes. Yes, my first rational thought, Tyler Hawes is a very good basketball player. 48 points, Sports Center, all kinds of national love for Tyler Hawes. And it happened in a loss. BYU still lost the game, but they recognize greatness when they see it. Tied for the most points scored in a Division I college basketball game. BYU this year. has two players that have scored 40-plus in multiple games. Can you name them? I bet you can. Jim Murfredette. And now Tyler Hawes. Beat his previous best of 42, I believe, against Virginia Tech and Energy Solutions Arena. Goes off for 48. I was hoping he'd get to 50, and obviously hoping BYU would win. But... Regardless, Sports Center, ESPN, national news taking notice of Tyler Hawes and what an incredible performance that was. And the fact that he does it without the ball in his hands primarily is, He's not am- a point guard. is amazing. That, that almost validated him as uh, one of the best, if not the best, off-the-ball scorers in college basketball. I don't know what shot he has in the NBA. I don't care right now. He scored 48 against Portland. He's going to be the all-time leading scorer for BYU when all said and done at the end of next season. An amazing performance by Tyler Haas. He gave everything he had in that game. Now, could BYU have gone to him more later in the game? Sure. But 48 points, a tremendous performance. It's unfortunate because it's in a loss. But that shot he hit to tie it late in regulation. Oh. One of a bunch of memorable shots, but probably my favorite. BYU down three, 20 seconds to go. Carlino, front court. Skyler, right wing to Kyle. Kyle Collinsworth drives the baseline, terminates, hands back to Ty for three, and the Ty Oh! Tyler Hawes! 12 seconds to go, we're square at 91! 
Greg Rebell on the call. You listened to it live on BYU Radio last night. BYU gets that game to overtime. They were down by eight with under a minute to play. Seven or eight with under a minute to play. They go on a 7-1 run in in 12 seconds. 7-1 run in 12 seconds. You know what's funny about that? You and I do play-by-play. The color commentator cannot resist. They cannot resist (laughs) yelling in that moment. That's the play-by-play's moment, right? And then the the analyst will have his moment. He cannot resist. Oh! (laughs) Listen to the volleyball match tonight. I'll be calling a kill or something. Steve will do that. Steve Vale will just, oh, baby, gnarly, whoa, whoa, whoa. They just can't help themselves. And it's okay. (laughs) And it's fun. It's okay. It's fun. The emotion takes over, and that is okay. Tyler Hawes, incredible, gets BYU to overtime. In double overtime, BYU's up by as many as eight. Somehow. <laughs> I, think, I think it was seven. And Portland then... gets back. I think it was, wasn't it, what is it 109 to 101 or something like that? Oh, anyway, they had, they had a noticeable what, large 110, lead. 110-103, I want to say. So, yeah, huge lead. And uh, there came a point in the in the end of the second overtime to the end of the third overtime where Portland went on a 17 to 3 run. BYU had one of those runs between regulation or one of the maybe the overtimes where they were down and went on a 16 to 1 run to force it to more extra time. Yeah. It was just it was crazy. People all across the West Coast Conference super high on this game. Bo Levesque of St. Mary's, one of their starting forwards said, "I may be biased, but that was the best, one of the best games of the year that he's ever seen. That he's seen a St. Mary's St. Mary's guy. Second rational thought for me: Matt Carlino is playing really solid basketball, steady play. People that want to fault Matt Carlino for losing last night's game do not get it. This is those same people oftentimes are the loudest supporters when he's keeping BYU in the game through regulation overtime, and double overtime. So just stop. Matt Carlino has played really, really solid basketball. Mario Carlino. His his alter ego during this, while he comes off the bench. Did he rush some shots in in triple overtime? Yeah. But you know what? You're not in triple overtime without him. So get over it. He's a good basketball player. He's playing with a lot of confidence, and I like the fact that he has that confidence back, that swag, that he feels like if he takes that shot, it's going to go in. Matt Carlino is a crucial piece of this BYU team and was a huge part of their five-game win streak and was a huge reason why they almost won last night. So stop with the Carlino criticism. 25 points, 9 assists, 0 turnovers, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Heck yes it is. Matt Carlino has two, count them two, turnovers in the last 95 minutes he's played. That's the last three games. That is amazing. And 18 assists in the last two games. Uh, can with you, can, zero turnovers. Can you do that ratio for me, Joe? Uh, 18 over zero. Eight, uh, 18. Yeah, that's Plus right. 18. Wow. Okay. Well. Not to mention his scoring. I'm just talking about ball handling. Shot selection has been much better. You mentioned in overtime, little... Could have been a little bit, a bit better, but guess what? 25 points. He and Tyler Haas, 73 points. The rest of the team, 37 less. If Matt Carlino makes one of those threes in triple overtime, this is not even being discussed. He always one play away in double overtime from winning. Bobby Sharp. Bobby Sharp, amazing. <laughs> a JC transfer off the bench. This is Skyler Halford a couple games ago. 20 
seven points. Eight for 13 from the three-point line. He hits two in double overtime to come back. I, I mean, the, they, those were amazing shots. BYU's defense was really, really good. As close as you can get to playing good D without fouling. And he made those shots. People want to point to free throws, perhaps referees getting in on this game, causing BYU to lose. No. You can over- overcome those things with a few plays here and there. The bigger issue is BYU's lack of post-offensive production. Okay, BYU had four combined shots from Eric Mika and Nate Austin. They, are, they average exactly 11 per game combined. Uh, 8.3 of those coming from Eric. So what's going on there? And this is my third rational thought. That the post-production offensively just need there just needs to be more. I know Portland's a really good team down low. Like I understand that BYU may, the may have the fallen off a little bit because of Portland's inside presence, but certainly you need a little bit more scoring from your post. You just do. So BYU's okay, starting starting posts, your four and five versus Portland's starting post. BYU combines for eleven points, nineteen rebounds. Nate Austin on the sprained ankle somehow had fifteen rebounds. Yeah, wow. talk about that warrior performance. So, but on the other side for Portland, forty-two points, twenty-five rebounds. Nicholas and Vandermars. Vandermars goes twenty-seven and eighteen. Two thoughts on Mika. One, he needs to catch the ball on the block. His offensive efficiency is directly tied to where he catches the ball. He's catching too far out. He's not a very good scoring threat at that point. He's turning it over too much. The other thought is Buey needs to rebound the ball better. When a miss goes up on the defensive glass, BYU's not catching it cleanly off the window very often. It's getting tipped. 50-50 balls are created. It's either going out of bounds or there's a jump ball or the other team gets it. BYU needs to rebound the ball a little bit better, and I think they would have been in a better position to have less second-chance points for Portland and more possessions. So with everything that went wrong, BYU still has some remarkable performances from Tyler Hawes, certainly some disappointments from their post players, and if they have any shot of beating the team in Spokane, they need they need to have more post scoring. You just do. Topic three. To Gonzaga and beyond. Seen a lot of fans across BYU Sports Nation right off the Cougars. Only chance they have of getting into the tourney is if they win the West Coast Conference Tournament. And no at-large shot. Listen, losing at Portland this year is not even close to what it would have been the past two years. It was on the road, first of all. That team has some swag working at home. Did they not beat a ranked team in Gonzaga? By nine, at home. It's really tough to win on the road in this conference this year. Parity runs rampant. BYU's at-large tournament hopes are not done. They're just not. But how big's the window is the question. Big enough that I'm okay that they lost to Portland in triple overtime. You're okay I'm, with that? I am not. Okay. Let me, let me add some context to that. Yeah. It didn't ruin BYU's season for me like it seemingly has for a lot of fans. So what needs to happen for you for BYU to make the NCAA tournament? They have to win some big games, and guess what? They still have four big games left on the West Coast Conference schedule. How many of those? Because our discussion up to last night was you can't lose non uh, St. Mary's-Gonzaga games, and then you're going to have to at least split for a, a legitimate shot to be on the right side of the bubble. Let's talk about what's happening on Saturday. 
BYU is playing at Gonzaga. Okay? If the Cougars win that game, everybody that's saying, they're done, chances are over, no way they're getting into the NCAA tournament, now all those people come back and say, oh, well, well maybe, maybe they can get into the NCAA tournament. So while you lost at Portland in triple overtime, the same team that beat Gonzaga by nine in regulation, it does not end your at-large hopes. I can't, I can't take, I just can't handle the fact that some people want to say that now BYU's only chance is winning the West Coast Conference Tournament. That is lunacy. There were a couple of threads left in BYU's chances, if you will hanging by a thread. I think that a couple of those got cut, right? So I don't, I'm not writing BYU totally off of their only shot is in Vegas, but it's pretty close. It is, because you've lost to three teams in the 100 to 200 in the RPI. Are they below 150? No. No. But, but guess what? Those, aren't, those are bad losses. Is the Utah loss a bad loss? No, it's well, not. You say that, but they're 129. Portland is 134. 117, 134, 143 are BYU's three conference losses. Utah's 129. You said that's not a bad loss. Guess what? Their RPI is going to climb up, brother, because they're going to play Arizona twice. And a bunch of Cal, they're going to play. Their RPI will increase. BYU has to, they have to make up for these losses now. They're probably going to have to go 3-1 and against St. Mary's and Gonzaga. But the likely scenario is this. BYU in the regular season will not be able to do uh, much to earn the at-large bid. Because if you lose at Portland, at LMU, and at Pepperdine, chances are you're not going to beat Gonzaga and St. Mary's on the road. BYU can still do it. I just think the chances are, are lessened now. But if you do it. That's a giant if. The, the if got bigger last night. Opportunity's still there. I don't think because BYU lost in triple overtime to Portland that they have any less chance of beating a team like Gonzaga or or St. Mary's, when those teams are not as good as they have been in the past. You have to prove yourself. If you can't beat Portland, why would you beat Gonzaga? You, something great has to change. I'll say this in closing. I understand frustration. I hate losing. I know. Losing's the worst! I know the BYU players well. They hate losing. But all is not lost when it comes to earning an at-large bid. Not when your strength of schedule is 21. You still have an RPI of 45 after that loss last night. Oh, ye that are slow to remember. BYU was an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament bracket, according to Joe Lenardi as of yesterday. They were not slated as a play-in game. So now that they lost to Portland in triple overtime, you're done? Come on. You want to call? You're, you're out. You're out with tougher games left. They have big games coming up at home. They lose those games at home, it's different, but they lost them on the road. Lenardi still has BYU in the tournament discussion. I guarantee it. Up next, we find out from a former BYU basketball standout what a game like last night does to a player. Jackson Emery, the all-time stills leader, joins us. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to the show. BYU Sports Nation rolls on on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation. You can also follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. It's game day. Tonight, men's volleyball led by All-American Taylor Sanders on BYU TV and BYU Radio. As the Cougars host Stanford, watch and listen tonight. 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. 
And Dude, coming up, Devin Young, middle blocker, he'll join us at the end of the show. He's one of your boys. He is one of my boys. Good from player. From Pennsylvania. Good player. Using the hashtag BYUSN, sound off 24-7, we are opening it up to you to say to talk about anything you want to talk about and whenever you want to. I guess like BYU sports, right? 4 a.m., don't care. Hashtag BYUSN, might that's the way re- to do it. Might not respond immediately, but you are welcome to tweet at that hour. Two solid tweets thus far with the hashtag BYUSN. We've had plenty, but two that I want to read right now. Uh, coming from at Joe Sorber, topic number one was perfect. So good. And then at Lauren Frankham, nothing that happens during this show this morning is going to top that Tommy Boy quote. <laughs> Summing up BYU's Sports Nation fans' mentality after last night. Nailed my sentiments exactly. Hashtag BYUSN. Thanks for the tweets. Keep them coming. Oh, BYU loses an absolute heartbreaker. Jackson Emery is the all-time steals leader at BYU. He's a guy that knows a thing or two about winning big games on the road and is certainly a BYU Cougar for life. Jackson, you have dealt with tough losses. You've been in situations like that. What is a game in triple overtime that you lose on the road due to a player emotionally? Yeah, no, well, it's uh, there's a couple of things I worry about. You know, obviously the emotional aspect, but also the physical aspect. I mean, these guys played a tough game on the road, three overtimes. I mean, you saw guys like Matt Carlino bending over, cramping, as well as Kyle Collinsworth. And two days later, later you're going into arguably the most hostile environment in your league against arguably the best team in your league. And uh, be physically ready, that's going to be a question. But, you know, emotionally, that's that, that gets to you. Because, I mean, these guys are going to come. They're going to come ready to go against Gonzaga. Um, I, don't, I don't doubt that. The, the, the question that lies is when they make a run, how do our guys react? Do they react like, you know what, we're too tired, we've done this before, it just doesn't work? Or are they going to be able to, you know, really just buckle down and respond with, a, you know, a run of their own? Jackson Emery's on BYU Sports Nation. Jackson, I was at the Oregon game in Eugene, and I felt like a part of BYU's soul was lost there because it was the culmination of many disappointing and frustrating losses that BYU was in those games. Now BYU goes back to Oregon. They play another overtime game for some reason. Uh, how do you think uh, BYU responds against Gonzaga given what happened? That's a, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I guess the the good thing, if you look out of this, is we've lost games where we've had to respond to. So, I mean, the, the thing that was probably different for, you know, my years is we just didn't lose very often. So when we lost, it was, you know, something that we had to figure out how to respond to. Whereas these guys, they've lost, you know, a decent amount. They've already lost eight games this year. So, I mean, they should know how to respond the next game. So, I mean... I don't want to say they're experienced losers because that, that, that's bad. It sounds bad, but they're, they should know what needs to happen the following game in order to get back, back on track. Jackson Emery, former BYU basketball standout, Mr. Basketball in Utah, all-time steals leader, joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Our Twitter question today, Jackson, is how would you describe Tyler Haas' performance in 140 characters or less on Twitter? How would you describe Tyler's performance last night? Efficient um, and mid-range. <laughs> I mean, that guy, I mean, he's just, he's a great shooter. I mean, he's one of those guys that if you leave open, he's going to knock him down. I mean, uh, the, the thing that, you know, Tyler still lacks to be an incredible player is if he had the, if he could 
scorer off the dribbles in regards to giving the ball 30 feet out and say, hey, do something with it. Not really a strength, but the way that dude just attacks the rim, the way that dude comes off screens and scores his shoulders, I mean, he's just a great shooter. And, I mean, he uh, just knows how to put the ball in the basket. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. At any point last night, did you think he was going to pass Jimmer's 52 against New Mexico, a game in which you played in? (laughs) You know, I didn't think so. Um, The reason being is someone else has to give him the ball, whereas with Jimmer, he had the ball in his hands the entire time. Um, But you were open in the corner, right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah, I was, I was wide open every single time. I know that. Like, hey, if if you don't feel like scoring this play, I'm wide open in the corner. Just look for me. Uh, timeouts? Are you like, hey, Jimmer? Like, you tired, man? Because I'm I'm ready, there for I'm you, ready Jimmer. to go, brother. Exactly. I'll just be in the the far right corner, maybe sometimes the left, and I'll be the guy with his hands up. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Tyler Haas goes for 48. Jackson Emery describes it as efficient and mid-range. Well played. Matt Carlino has had quite the reemergence uh, over the last five or six games since they switched up the lineup. They moved Kyle Collinsworth to starting at point guard and bringing Matt off the bench. How would you explain Matt Carlino's gameplay and what he's done to turn things around? Yeah, I feel like Matt's playing... Uh, you know, at a, a higher mature maturity level. Um, I feel like he's just letting the game come to him. I felt like he, at the beginning of the year and even the past couple of years, he's really pressed himself to make big plays, whereas finally I think he just took a took a deep breath and realized, you know what, I need to just let the game come to me. I need to hit some wide-open shots, get my confidence, and get, get into the flow of things. And... Uh, and when he does that, he looks great. I mean, he looks like an all-star out there. I mean, he's playing starter minutes. Regardless if he's starting or not, he's playing starter minutes. He's having a huge impact on um, how we're playing. Um, you know, and so for the most part, I feel like it's been a great move by Coach Rose and the coaching staff. Uh, I just hope that now, uh, you know, last night he played an awesome game. Unfortunately, lost. I mean, the, if you would have told me that Tyler Haas scored – 48 points, and Matt Carlino had 25 points and nine assists and seven steals, and I think he had no turnovers. No turnovers. Yeah, I would have been like, oh, we probably won by you know 10 or 15, and then you tell me we lost in triple overtime. I mean, that's uh, that's that's a, another gut punch to our guys. And he's been tremendous the last three games with ball handling, uh, 19 assists to two turnovers uh, in 95 minutes. One one thing that uh, is I guess the big red flag right now is BYU's lack of post presence. Nate Austin's a rebounder. He's not going to shoot it much. But Eric Mika has struggled post-hip injury. That's, I guess, a given given an injury. But without any kind of score on the block, it seems like that's affected BYU's field goal percentage and spacing on the court. What do you think, Jackson? Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, Eric um, mentally, I mean, he's physically back. I just don't think mentally he's been back since his hip injury. Um he, his post moves are not as quick. He's not as explosive. Um, so it makes me think, is that hip injury still lingering or what's the issue? Um, it is concerning because, I mean, playing my senior year, for example, when Brandon went out, we went from having the ability to throw it in the post, spread the floor, and giving him one-on-one, or if they double-teamed him, to kick it back out. Um, those different options to, uh, you know, now just becoming a guard-oriented offense, and it made it a lot harder on us to get open shots. It made it harder on us 
uh, you know, really get into the flow of things because we were so dependent on outside shots. And I think our guys right now are feeling the same way. Um, but the, at the same time, I feel like we have enough scoring options on the guard front. Um, definitely, we, I, I don't think scoring's an issue. Um, I never have thought of it this year as, you know, we need, we need better scorers. We need guys to score in the post. We need this player to score. I don't think that's ever been an issue. I, you know, what was concerning is seeing Vandermars really just take it to Mika. Really, you know, I mean, he ended up the night almost with 20 rebounds and like 30 points. Yeah, 27 I mean, and 18. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's concerning because, I mean, you can't do that. And when you play good teams, unfortunately, the West Coast Conference isn't known for their, their big post players. But, I mean, if you can, if we could control that guy, I mean, we would have won the game last night and, uh, we just need to rebound the ball better. We need a little more grit on defense, but uh, I'm not too concerned about the post play on the offensive side. It's more on the defensive side. Jackson Emery joining BYU Sports Nation, former BYU basketball standout and uh, current broadcaster. Jackson, you had an opportunity to call the San Francisco game with Greg Rebell, and I ask you this question because last night Travis Hansen, another former BYU basketball player, was on BYU Radio with Greg, and I imagine – being that invested in a team and having that much emotion riding, it's hard not to let the fan out a little bit. How difficult was it for you to not be a fan during the broadcast? Oh no, it was different. It was difficult because when there was a big play, you wanted to jump up and scream, whether it be against you or for you. Um, there were several times that Greg and I are throwing elbows at each other because we're excited. I mean, but uh, did I you mean, wear your patented elbow pad? Honestly, I needed to. I, I forgot to bring that. I should have. My my tender elbows. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it, it's fun, though. It's fun to be right there, but I, I do agree. It, it is a little tough when you're a fan and you want to say we and our and you want to, you know, jump up and down when big plays are made and say things to refs when bad calls are made. It's, you got, you got to realize, you know, that you still have the headset on. You were a part of the beginning of – it's sort of a rivalry. BYU's won two of the five meetings uh, dating back to game one, which would have been the NCAA tournament second round. Uh, BYU's a three seed, Gonzaga's 11, and you guys just pour it on. What did you sense that might become a special rivalry against Gonzaga in that game? Yeah, I think just uh, the physicality of that game. I think uh, both teams came out ready to go. Um, Gonzaga was a big physical team with Sacre, and they had a couple other guys, Stephen Gray, um, I even remember Olenek. I think he was on the bench. I think he was redshirting or something that year he just transferred. Um, but, I mean, just the, the, the type of game going back and forth, uh, the physical type of game that, you know, Coach Few uh, wants from his guys, I mean, that's where it made it special. And, obviously, I mean, we, you know, we, we put on a pretty good run in the first half and as well as the second half to really put the game away where it wasn't much of a game um, after a little while, but I think uh, that kind of put a chip on Gonzaga's shoulder, knowing that for the next, you know, several years they're going to have an opportunity to get BYU in Provo and the same there in Washington, where they'd have the opportunity to to get some payback. Jackson Emery on BYU Sports Nation. Once upon a time, Jackson, you were a freshman. And I'm sure you remember what it was like to, to get out on the court and experience those first Division One minutes. Now put yourself in Eric Mika's shoes, and, and I'll ask you this. Is there a cap for him this year? Is there a freshman wall that he hits? And has he already hit it? What do you think? Um, you know, I think – I don't want to say there's a cap or a wall. I think there's those moments for sure. I wouldn't say like an overall season cap. 
But, uh, I mean, you definitely see that. I mean, look at the best freshman in the country. I mean, you see Javari Parker. He went through a little stretch where he didn't play too well. You saw Andrew Wiggins, same thing. And that's just, that's just how freshmen are. Freshmen have, you know, especially talented freshmen, they come in, they, they had maybe a lot of success in high school, and they think that it'll just transition easily onto the next level, which it doesn't. It, I mean, for these guys to do it game in, game out, I mean, that just usually never happens. The maturity level, um, just uh, the understanding of how the game goes. I mean, everyone has their on and off games, even when you're a senior, but as a freshman, you have those a little more frequently, and I think Eric's going through one of those right now. But at the same time, I think that's where freshmen really develop and mature is how they respond to these moments and how long it takes them to respond. Um, it's taken Eric a couple games right now. Hopefully he gets back on track on Saturday because uh, we're really going to need him. Um, but uh, hopefully it's just uh, you know just a, a glimmer during the stretch and he can he can respond and uh, immediately. Well, disappointing loss, but huge game coming up with Gonzaga, so got to get ready for that. Jackson Emery, we appreciate the time. Thanks, brother. Hey, I appreciate it, guys, and uh, hopefully next time I'm on, we have a, a couple couple more wins, and hopefully Gonzaga's under our belt, too. <laughs> exactly. That's fair. Thanks, Jackson. Okay, hey, thanks, guys. My favorite quote last night from Tyler Hawes came during his post-game interview when, when he said, well, not really sure what the refs in this league are going to call and he said it with an exasper, an exasperated feeling in his breath. He must be really frustrated because he doesn't let that come he out. He does not ever say that. Should have been 60! Oh, can't blame the refs. You just can't. Let's go to Twitter. You've got tweets. Describe Tyler Haas' performance last night in 140 characters or less. At MBM String. Hashtag BYUSN. 48. Boom. At the Billdozer24. Nice name. Tragically heroic. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. That is that is on point right there. At SRP. At BYU Sports Nation. Not enough, unfortunately. Similar one here. At Samuel Hancock. Still not enough. Oh, 48, not enough. Ah. Mm. At Blue Helm Mustard. Haas performance was amazing, but not enough. It only matters if you win. More tweets on describing Tyler Haas 48-point outburst in a triple overtime loss coming up in just a few moments on BYU Sports Nation. Also describing today's leading stories with a simple hashtag and turning the page to Gonzaga with play-by-play voice of the Bulldogs, Tom Hudson. Hashtag coming up next. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. Taysom Hill and the BYU football team, just a few weeks away from the start of spring practice. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out live in Studio 2 at BYU Radio. Game day, men's volleyball. Taylor Sander and the crew will be live. The Sandman delivers! Whoa, by the way. Okay, I'll, I'll read this and then we'll go. BYU TV, BYU Radio, 9 Eastern, BYU versus Stanford tonight. So we did this two weeks ago where I summoned a phrase from you on Twitter. Tweet at me, at Jerem Jordan. And I will pick a phrase and say it during the game. So last time for Northridge, a couple weeks ago, it was, that's an honor code violation. Yes. At P. Norton. Submitted Solid. that. So everyone, uh, submit your 
uh, phrases that you want me to say, and I will pick one and say it during the broadcast. As long as it's PG. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> this play, you know, BYU. It's BYU. So it's BYU. you're going to get a certain yes. level of... Yes. Because then that really would be an honor code violation. Yes, it would. <laughs> and then I would get a phone call. Okay, look. Sometimes weird things happen in sports. Okay? Parody is all over the place, but we're keeping it real on BYU Sports Nation. And it's time to hashtag bring on the next segment. BYU Sports Nation says hashtag this. We have five one-liners that we're going to offer our best hashtags for. You should send yours in as well using the hashtag BYUSN. So let's go. Number one. Hashtag this. Tyler Haas, 48 points, Jerem. Hashtag Hossum, third most in BYU history. He brought it. It would have been fun to see the number one scoring game all time in BYU history. Unfortunately, BYU lost, but Tyler Haas, an amazing performance, 48 points. Hashtag just the beginning. Tyler Haas will do this again. He will go 40-plus at least three more times in Whoa. his BYU career. That is, is going to happen. Is the oracle in the house? That is going to happen. Hashtag just the beginning. Tyler Hawes is a really, really good player, and you said it, Jerem, will be the all-time leading scorer by the time he's done. By the way, I talked to men's volleyball head coach Chris McGowan, who heard the oracle last week say BYU would split, and he said, what the heck kind of oracle is that? <laughs> As BYU swept. We'll have to ask the Oracle about that next time the Oracle is in here. <laughs> Misread the signs. Misread the signs. Misread the tea leaves. <laughs> Number two. Hashtag this. Matt Carlino's recent play. Hashtag clutch. Hashtag no turnovers. Hashtag get off his back. Matt Carlino is a huge part of why BYU has had recent success, big part of why they had won five straight games, and a huge reason why they even got to triple overtime last night. Leave Matt Carlino alone. He doesn't have Twitter anymore because haters pushed him off of it. He's a good basketball player. He's on your team. Root for him because he's playing really well. What if he hadn't transferred from UCLA? Just think about that. Hashtag get some slash hashtag Mario Carlino. He's played really well off the bench, and last night was a tremendous game. Could he have made a couple more shots? Sure, but he'd already scored 25 points. Tremendous game from Matthew Mario Carlino. Number three. Hashtag this, BYU's NCAA at-large chances. Hashtag they're not done yet. We spent a good deal of time talking about this. The Cougars have no losses to teams below 150 in the RPI. They still have an RPI of 45, 21 strength of schedule. They were an 11 seed, not part of the last four in in a play-in game in Lunardi's latest bracket before Portland's game. There's no way they're out of the discussion now because of a triple overtime loss. Hashtag preparing for Vegas. The likely scenario is that BYU is going to have to win the tournament. The unlikely scenario is that BYU... Turns it around and goes 3-1 and one against St. Mary's and Gonzaga in those four games and doesn't lose to a non-St. Mary's-Gonzaga team. That would be an unbelievable turnaround considering BYU lost to teams in the 100-150 RPI in LMU, Pepperdine, and Portland. That's let's, what I want. Let's wrap it up. Hashtag this, Jennifer Hampson's almost triple-double. Hashtag, when are you going to start paying attention? Jennifer Hampson is tall. She is talented. And she is... 
the reason BYU is 15-4. and four. BYU women's basketball never had a triple-double. Two blocks shy. And she has BYU Sports Nation karma. Hashtag it's real. Hashtag 6-7 this. Tremendous performance from her. Got the karma. Used it in a, in a good way. Defeated San Francisco. It's crazy that she almost did it with blocks. She's, she's BYU's Sean Bradley on the women's side. 14 points, 17 boards, 8 blocks last night. Tremendous. She's a, she's a Turn your mic player. on. My mic is on. Hashtag leave me alone. <laughs> Hashtag, Hashtag worry about yourself. Uh, my microphone was on when I spoke. <laughs> Describe Tyler Haas' performance last night in 140 characters or less. That is our Twitter question using the hashtag BYUSN. That's more of a statement than a question. It's a Twitter topic. We're moments away from bringing in our second guest today on BYU Sports Nation. He is the play-by-play voice of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And... His team right now in charge of the West Coast Conference. Absolutely. And Gonzaga's the king of this conference. And BYU's got something to prove if they're going to dethrone Gonzaga. I just had a, an interesting thought. BYU's a capable team, right? BYU could do something that they haven't done in a long time. What if this is the year that BYU struggled in the regular season but won the tournament championship? I can see it happening. I can see it happening. BYU just needs to play better and figure some things out to get to, the, to, get to that point in Vegas. But if you can try and be the two seed or even the four seed, if BYU somehow dropped that far and avoid Gonzaga, who will likely be the one, that's a situation where you could get to Tuesday night and it's one game. It's one game for the title. That's what makes March so brilliant and fabulous. Every team has a shot. <clears throat> Nearly every team. Even Portland, who has now defeated Gonzaga and BYU. How about that? Who, who would have thought that? Man. Tom Hudson, the play-by-play voice of Gonzaga Bulldog Basketball, joins BYU Sports Nation. Tom, welcome to the show. How are things in Spokane? Uh, you know, uh, cold and dreary, but a uh, win over San Diego last night makes that uh, feel a little bit better. I tell you what, guys, you know that whole uh, Warren Buffett deal with I'll give you a billion dollars if you get your <laughs> you get your March Madness yeah. deal, right? Uh, <laughs> I think he probably could have offered a billion dollars if you would have said that uh, Portland would have gotten both Gonzaga and BYU. <laughs> Wow, what a uh, what a testament! I think to, to where the league is right now that that happened. That's uh, man, boy, cra- crazy night watching your guys' game last night. <laughs> it was what double the points of the game you had, right? Uh, yes, just and about. I was joking with people that our our fifty nine fifty six might be halftime tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hudson, play by play voice of the Gonzaga Bulldogs joins BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Tom, can you kind of give us the mindset of where Gonzaga is here? They lost to Portland just like BYU did, but they bounced back. They won some games on the road. They held off San Diego last night. Where is the confidence level of Gonzaga going into the BYU game tomorrow night? You know, I think it's pretty good. And, you know, I think for uh, for us, when you saw the, the game against Portland, you know, the, the few road games that we had played, we hadn't played particularly well. And I think that was one of the things going into Portland. I think it's probably something that BYU is seeing a little bit, uh, you know, in, in the West Coast Conference here, that, you know, when you go out on the road and you play, and, and it's a cliche, I know it, but you, you get the other team's best shot every single night. And, you know, I think what, what's happened here over the years is, you know, it's almost become a responsibility, you know, if you're playing for Gonzaga, and I think now playing for BYU, that, that the Cougars in the league, that when you go in, you have to understand it every single night that, uh, you know, you're going to get a whale of an effort from your opponent and you need to be able to match it. You know, and I think, you know, BYU saw at Portland last night. Portland's always played hard under Coach Reveno. Well, now they've got some some talent. They've rebuilt things since, uh, you know, they had those three twenty one seasons. They're playing a lot better, and you add that to their effort. And if you don't match it, 
you know, you could lose some games. And so I think when we went to Portland, that's kind of what happened is that their effort, you know, on, on top of the fact their skill level has gotten better, uh, you know, put us in a, in a pretty bad spot. And I think Coach Few used that as, as a challenge. He said, hey, you know, if we're going to win this league, if we're going to be successful, we've got to find a way to play better on the road. And going down to Los Angeles, you know, Pep was playing great. Uh, you know, LMU is always hard for us down there. We've lost, you know, three times down there in the last nine or ten years. Um, you know, to go down there and win those games and do it the way that we did, I, I think uh, a lot of confidence comes out of that. And then even winning that game against San Diego last night, you know, San Diego last year we went down to a last-second shot uh, against the Toreros, uh, you know, with Bill Greer being a, a former GU guy. They've got a pretty good handle on uh, on how to play Gonzaga. And, you know, to be able to win a game where we only scored 59, I think uh, this team right now is really starting to feel good and really, you know, finding its own identity after uh, everything that happened last year. Tom Hudson at Voice of Gonzaga, the Gonzaga radio play-by-play is on BYU Sports Nation. Tom, what's the transition been like from the number one overall seed last year uh, with Olenek and Harris and those guys to a little bit, a, a lot of returning guys, especially on the guard line, but it's a different team. A completely different team. And I think it's been interesting because I don't know in my memory uh, that there's been a number one team that has received so little fanfare the following season. You know, and, and to be honest, that's been really good for this group. And I think for Gonzaga in general, I think a lot of times, you know, we're better off, you know, kind of uh, lurking in the shadows a little bit as compared to being, uh, you know, the, the team that's, that's getting all of the, the publicity and accolades. And I think what we've seen from this team, and, you know, you see the fact that we're shooting about 51% from the field, one of, one of the best percentages in the country, when this team is playing well, the ball is moving, guys are getting each other shots, you know, good things are happening as, as a group. I think last year uh, with Olenek and with Harris, if you were struggling offensively, you could just give the ball to one of those guys and say, hey, we need a bucket, go and get it. And I don't know if we necessarily have that guy this year, but what we do have is a, you know, a unit uh, that uh, when we're clicking on all cylinders, guys are getting each other shots, like I said, and it's, it's really a, a special look. But we don't really have that, that go-to guy, you know, hey, we haven't scored in six or seven possessions. We need a bucket right now. Draw something up for Kelly and he scores. We, we don't necessarily have that. But, uh, but the transition's been pretty good. I think, you know, the schedule wasn't quite as tough as it's been in years past. Um, and I think, you know, that was, there was a purpose to that, was to get this group some confidence, and, uh, you know, things are uh, rolling along pretty good right now. Tom Hudson, the play-by-play voice of Bulldog basketball, joining BYU Sports Nation. Okay, Tom, we need to settle a debate here. I have heard Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Gonzaga. I know it's not Zaga because it's not the Zogs, they're the Zags, but what is the proper pronunciation? Is it Gonzaga? It is Gonzaga, yes. yes. Gon. Yes. It is Don. Yes, Don Zaga. Now, it's, it's so funny because you would think over the years, you know, it, it always comes up. And, you know, and I think the confusion comes a little bit from, I believe there's a prep school back on the East Coast that is Gonzaga or, or somewhere along those lines. And so, like, I listen to Terry Keating at Santa Clara every time. He still doesn't say Don Zaga. He's still, you know, he's an East Coast guy. He still says Gonzaga. And so it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, right when you think it's, you know, it's moving in the direction where, where people have it, um, you know, you hear somebody that, uh, that's got a different uh, pronunciation. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's actually it's kind of funny. You know, we're getting a kick out of it now. That, you know, I think at first you know, people have a little chip on their shoulder, but now uh, you just kind of chuckle and, uh, and I think you're, just, you're happy that people are talking about you. Well, I'm glad that we cleared that up so the BYU Sports Nation can know how to say it correctly. We appreciate the time, Tom, and have fun on the call tomorrow night, BYU and Gonzaga.
Gonzaga. Hey, thanks so much, guys. <laughs> yeah, Gonzaga, right? <laughs> Good talking to you guys. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Tom. We'll see you down the road. Right, take care, guys. Uh-huh. You know what time it is, Jeremy? Uh, 10.51 Mountain Time. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Women's Basketball. BYU dominated San Francisco last night. It was a San Francisco treat. 81-47, led by Lex Eaton's 23 points and Jennifer Hampson's near triple-double. Two blocks shy. BYU hosts Santa Clara tomorrow live on BYU TV and BYU Radio at 4 Eastern. Track and field. The men's and women's teams are at the Air Force Invitational today and tomorrow. Get it done. Tennis. BYU will be one and done at number eight Kentucky today in Lexington. Swimming and diving. Did that mean they lose? Or no, is that just they play. No, they just play. a reference oh, okay. to Kentucky's men's. I, I, I was thinking that. BYU hosts Utah today at five minutes time in the Richards Building. It's a Deseret Duel battle for both the men's and women's swimming and diving teams. Gymnastics. BYU is at Ben Bagley's Utah State Aggies tonight in Logan. The Cougars look to improve their 194.675 from last week. Men's volleyball. BYU hosting number six Stanford tonight in the Smithfield House live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Jerem Jordan, Steve Vale on the call. Joining us now, who is anxiously awaiting that game, is senior middle blocker Devin Young. Devin, your team started slow, but you found a groove. What happened to switch things around for the BYU men's volleyball team? I think those games in Chicago were great for us. I, I think we learned a lot and uh, really kicked us into gear to, to realize that things aren't going to be easy for us this year and, and we need to work hard for every win. And we've done that since then. Some good wins along the way. Long Beach State at home, who was number one, and then at UC Irvine, a comeback win. Now Stanford comes to town. What kind of challenge do the Cardinal present? Stanford's really good this year. They've returned a lot of players from last year, and last year they were a challenge. So uh, we're ready to, to battle with them tonight in the field house. Last week on BYU Sports Nation, we had a special guest named the Oracle. He called for a split. You won both games. Chris McGowan, the head coach, called out the Oracle. What would your message to the Oracle be after winning two games when he called for a split? Um. You know, I, I don't know. I think we have a, a great team this year. <laughs> don't, you don't have to hold back. <laughs> those first two games out in Chicago made a lot of people doubt us. Uh, and I think we've been able the last couple of weeks to prove that, that we'll be a national championship contender again. And it helps that the, com- the tournament has expanded a little bit. Does that take a little bit of pressure off, or will you just let that happen at the end of the year, Devin? Uh, I don't know that it takes pressure off we still need to be at the top of the NCSF and we still want to win every single game so uh, you know at the end of the year if things don't go the way we want them to I mean yeah it'll be nice but we're we're still taking this season just as we would any other a couple different guys have played opposite replacing Ben Patch who was a first team All-American last year uh, how has that position I guess evolved and who do you care uh, I guess you don't care who goes out there because you've had different guys contribute yeah we've got a few different guys who've really stepped up there uh, and you know we'll even have Tim back in the mix soon and I I don't know it's exciting to see those guys compete and I think it's it's awesome for them to step up when they need to and have great nights senior middle blocker Devin Young joining BYU Sports Nation during the Cougar Whip Around how fun is it to play in the Smithfield House in front of that raucous crowd? We love the Smithfield House. There's nothing like it. Uh, that's our, 
even last week, you know, we didn't have as many fans as, as we have had in the past, but I think it was louder than it's ever been. and it's, it's a ton of fun. How much of a difference does it make? To have the fans there? Yeah, to, uh, to play there. It's, it's a huge difference. Uh, it just feels like you have so much momentum at all times. So it's, it's a lot of fun, and I've, that's one thing I think after this year that I'm going to miss the most is playing in front of the fans in the field house. Devin Young, senior middle blocker for the BYU Cougars, joins BYU Sports Nation. Devin, we appreciate the time. Good luck tonight. Uh, Seven Mountain, Thank Nine you. Eastern in the field house. Thank you very much. It's game day. Who gets a rising shout? That's easy. Tyler Hawes. 48 points! Third most in BYU history. 11th, tied for the 11th most in WCC history. Tied for the most by a D1 player this year in the NCAA. I say we go dual because Jennifer Hampson, 14 points, 17 rebounds, 8 blocks. She should also get a rising shout for that performance. That's well played. I'm glad you brought her back in. Well played, Mauer. Well played. (laughs) Uh, You know what's right around the corner, Jerem? Football. That's right. Countdown to Connecticut. 216. 216 days away. It, I mean, it is close. I mean, we st- we're we going to start breaking down Connecticut. It is around the corner. BYU Connecticut, August 28th. I think that it's around the time of the WCC tournament, right? It's that close? <laughs> it feels that close. <laughs> How fast did the year go, right? It's, it's right around the corner. There's a couple of months there that sort of, you know, there's a lull, but... It's, our, it's there. Our Twitter question today, describe Tyler Howe's performance last night in 140 characters or less. At Easton Lindy, no silver lining. They lost to Portland. I think the ultimate, uh, you know, where BYU sits kind of deal. Can we bring back the uh, Chris Farley quote? Th- this is how some Forget BYU fans it, I feel. I quit. I can't do this anymore, man. My head's about to explode. My whole life sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. Some fans feel that way. It's not that bad. Wait, did you just say it's not that bad, Jerem? It's bad, but it's not that bad that Chris Farley described. Oh, okay. I don't know what I'm doing, man. Portland's 134 on the RPI. Utah's 128. Yet somehow Utah's not a bad loss and Portland is a bad loss. I don't get it. Those are the numbers, people. Those are the numbers. We don't have enough time to discuss that right now. At McMinn 5. Okay, respectfully disagree. Missed free throws are the same as turnovers. Make one more in this situation. Game over. Certainly, free throws are a big deal. My point was, BYU has been high 60s, mid 60s most of the season. So it it wasn't necessarily an aberration. If they could make some more, yeah. They win a lot more of the games that they've lost. Yes, make some more free throws. That's sort of the red zone offense of the football team comparison. At Chess Sports. Wait, who's criticizing Carlino? He was the only one playing defense last night. Collinsworth and Mika were the problems. At Skydiz, I agree with Jerem Jordan on BYUS. And yeah, I like this might tweet. be able to make the tourney by going 3-1 and one against Zaga and S- St. Mary's College. But why, but why believe they can? Because you're a BYU fan, so stop it! <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Thanks for our guests today, Jackson Emery, Tom Hudson, voice of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Gonzaga Bulldogs. That's what we learned today. And everyone on our crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, station manager Don Schlein, production assistant Spencer King, and engineer Aaron Evans. The fans have pointed out that Tyler has had zero assists last night. Get real. He's not a point guard. He shoots the ball and scores. BYU Sports Nation signing off on a Friday. Check out our Facebook page, Instagram. Follow us on Twitter for Jerem. I'm Spencer. You have just listened to BYU Sports Nation. Beat Gonzaga. Beat Gonzaga.